hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Welcome back to the next episode of BC Law's Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blakely. Uh, we're joined by two great guests here today to discuss the topic of first-generation professionals. Uh, we're visited by John Marley, who's an associate, and Morgan Lewis, who works with their litigation team to advise clients on an array of matters, including arbitrations, complex commercial litigation, and securities litigation. John is committed to mentoring, especially students from first-generation and minority backgrounds, as well as working on pro bono matters, including housing, asylum, immigration, and the Civil Rights and Restorative Justice Project. Uh, Sydney Blomstrom is a 2L of BC Law who heads up our first-generation professionals uh, affinity group and student organization. Uh, well, welcome to both of you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out to chat. Thank, um, thank you. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to get started with a simple question, uh, you know, this topic of first-generation professionals, FGP, uh, which is what does that term FGP uh, mean to you? I guess, uh, John, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, when I think about that term, I think about people from a background where you don't have white-collar ancestry, I guess. You look back, there's not going to be a doctor, lawyer, banker in the family, you know. The type of environment that it's typical in the legal industry now, where you don't have that similar, you know, shared history of maybe going skiing in the Alps. You don't have um, the house in Aspen. You don't, you know, you've never been to the Maldives. You know, it, it's a more humble background, typically, um, in my opinion. I mean, there could be people from, you know, with blue-collar families who are fabulously wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have those kind of connections, which, you know, you can decide whether where that qualifies in your mind. But for me, it really goes back to people who, very humble background, family not really in the white-collar industry, and where, as law students, we get into this space, it's a little bit, uh, you know, unnerving uh, and, you know, new ground for us. Yeah. Uh, Sydney, how about you? I would agree with that. I would also um, just kind of add how I feel like when we're trying to promote FGP on campus, Mm -hmm. typically people whose parents went to college, they don't really think it really applies to them or their parents went to grad school, but in a different field and they don't really think it applies to them. But Mm -hmm. I think when trying to promote these resources, we really try to focus on um, asking questions like, did your family actually come to law school? Because there's a lot of resources that if your parents kind of come from that humble background, um, you know, you might not have access to. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I agree with both, uh, you know, both of your responses. I mean, I think that, you know, John, to your point, it's sort of like that, that white collar background because you can say well you know first gen college first gen law school and i think it's really a broad term i think really what we're talking about is do you have a background in this sort of you know uh, in these social circles and in, the, in these types of networks um you know which is which is certainly a, a lot of this um just getting to know you guys both a little bit more i uh, just talk a little bit about more about you know your background before law school um you know and, and what you were up to before you made the decision to, to come to law school where you're from um you know any, anything of that nature is uh, sydney what are you yeah so i'm originally from western massachusetts right. so boston isn't too far away from me mm-hmm. um i went to mount holyoke college for undergrad and um, I graduated in 2020, so that was kind of a weird COVID year. An interesting time to graduate, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to take one gap year in between my undergrad and law school, but I thought that would maybe be doing something interesting, maybe, I don't know, trying to move somewhere that I haven't been to before, mm-hmm. but um, I just ended up taking like some part-time work doing um, after-school teaching um, at um, Breakthrough Greater Boston. Mm-hmm. And also spending time just doing LSATs, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, it's fun, fun times. Uh, John, how about you? Sure. Uh, originally from Jamaica. Okay. Uh, family moved to Florida when I was about five. 
uh, hung out there for a while, went to undergrad at Stanford. I studied history. I uh, figured I was going to go into the military or law school. Military didn't work out, a lot of injuries. Uh, but I took, a, I took four years off, actually, in between oh. undergrad and law school. I worked largely in the construction industry, uh, doing some engineering work and then in some business development work. Mm. Uh, realized that, you know, there was, I mean, candidly speaking, there's going to be a lot more money in, in, in law. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I looked at it, you know, my family didn't do too well after the 08 recession. I was like, I got to do something. I got to do something different here. Yeah. Um, and law school, I always promised myself if by 24, 25, I hadn't found it yet i'd go to law school and i went and i've loved it that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> glad that it uh that, that it worked out that way yeah i mean i mean for myself um if the accent doesn't just completely give it away i'm from boston uh, my family's from boston you know grew up in the uh sort of real estate construction industry uh you know in terms of uh you know going to school i went to uh, bentley university got my business degree there actually uh, started a business that i ran all the way uh, up until law school i you know got more interested in sort of like legal issues like policy discussions that related to you know, a lot of the business matters that would come up, um, you know, in my work that sort of pulled me, um, you know, in this direction. And, uh, you know, when I, I came to law school, came here to, to, to BC, started in fall of 2020, which you, know, you talk about graduating in 2020, starting law school in 2020 was a whole other beast. Um, but no, it, it's been great, but it's, you know, certainly been an experience where for someone like myself and I guess for each of you, you know, the, this, um, you know, you learn a lot about, you know, people's backgrounds and, and, and the law and networking, sort of the social dynamics of all this. And that's, what's really, you know, brought this first generation topic, um, you know, to the fore as, as I've gone through, you know, you, you meet more people and, um, you know, you learn about what I think is a pretty, you know, important dynamic. Um, so I, I guess just, you know, going forward, what, you know, uh, was your journey to law school like in terms of your first gen experience like how did that impact you know i think the the, the term lsat might have come up a few minutes ago uh you know you're going through that which obviously costs a lot of money you're trying to figure out okay well what score do i need and what school do i need to go to to get the job that i want to get you're trying to piece all this together so i'm just curious you know for each of you like what that experience was like and you know in light of you know the the you know sort of being new to this in this first generation um capacity uh, john i'll go to you Sure. So there, there are a couple different aspects to me that I felt that uh, being first generation impacted. One was there was nobody in my family who is an alum of a particular university. I had no knowledge, no background, nobody guiding me. Oh, this university is going to be better in this space. It was really a blank canvas. I had to do it 100 percent of my own. Uh, you know, they were very supportive. They were behind me all the way, but they really didn't have any ability to help me. Uh, the next thing was is purely the finances. Mm. It, you know, there's a cost to just signing up for the, I think, I forget the name of the organization, but LSAC. LSAC, yeah. yeah. So you got to sign up for them, right? Yeah. Then you have they're to not pay. a charity. <laughs> no, there's certainly no charity. And then you have to pay for every single law school application. Mm -hmm. Then you have to pay to send your LSAC information to each law school, mm -hmm. which in and of itself, I think at the time was 100 or 200 I remember thinking about that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out while I'm applying to schools. I'm like, I'm paying them 90, like, what is it, like, $90, whatever the number is, to send a PDF. The same one over yeah, and over. Exactly. It it was in, it was incredible. And yeah. I started to run the numbers is, you know, okay, if I want to apply to ten law schools or twenty law schools, I'm looking at a thousand or you know, mm. two thousand yeah. dollars. And that's not including the cost of the actual law school application. Mm -hmm. So for me, I ended up just taking a strategy was if a school didn't send me a fee application waiver, I just didn't apply. Yeah. That's really what it came down to. Yeah. And you know, Thank God, BC sent me a letter. I had never heard of BC before. I'd never even considered it. Mm -hmm. BC sent me a letter. And saying, you were in Florida at the time. I, I was in Florida okay. at the time. They said, "Hey, come, come check us out." And you know, it's it's been great ever since. Awesome. Yeah, Sydney. Um, 
Initially, I think just applying to law school felt very lonely for me at the time. Like, I was kind of stuck in my room during the pandemic, taking the LSAT on my computer. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, similarly, like, my parents were very supportive of the whole journey. But sometimes, you know, when talking to them about, you know, kind of logistics, why maybe I would want to go to, like, one school versus the other, um, sometimes those would be kind of, like, difficult conversations to have. And um, similarly, I just feel like, it was kind of, you know, the research was 100% on me to do to make yeah. sure that I was really making a good investment in my education. Yeah, I, I think for myself, like, luckily, you know, I was somebody who just did sort of like a neurotic amount of research about how all of this works. You know, I was in, I was finishing up undergrad at the time, and, you know, I went online, and there's, I think there's like the marketing that law schools put out, and then there's like, I mean, and again, you can go overboard with like Reddit and like some of the websites because some of it it just gets to be a little bit too precise but there's like law school numbers there's like right. LS data I think was the other one where it like kind of gives you a breakdown of exactly how this stuff works and I actually um, you know I, I had applied in undergrad and then I decided I wanted to you know work for a year and you know get, you know, get some more experience save some money you know and then you know sort of reassess like where I want to go to school and, and, and you know uh, apply a year later and so I, I already had going into it like a good amount of exposure to how it worked but like doing it, I, I think sort of like for the the second go around, you really kind of come to understand like how the sausage is made, and you're like, all right, well, wait a minute, like I've seen enough articles saying that like these schools probably don't want to look there, and you know you right. need to have like this scholarship for this to be worth it because to get these jobs you have this percent. It's just like a big math problem that kind of gives you a headache at a certain point. But you know, Absolutely. you I, I talked to friends who you know were sort of in the same boat who you know like maybe they're had a lawyer in the family or like parents or, or, you know, like in some way or another, we're coming across people in these circles who, you know, might get that advice of like, Hey, you know, what do you want to do? Well, you need to go here. Whereas it sounds like, you know, for folks like us, you're doing a lot of that figuring out on your own to try to understand, um, you know, the, the, the way to go. But I, I think, you know, all sort of all, you know, good points. I and mean, it's kind of accurate to people's experience. It's just like sitting there and like, okay, well, it's going to cost this and I need to do that. And, you know, you just sort of go from there. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, uh, you know, I, I, I guess when you got to law school, like, how did you feel initially? Like, I know, well, sitting, I think you started 2021, I started 2020, so I sort of started law school on Zoom, I suppose. But in any event, uh, you know, when you first got to law school, like, how did that feel? I mean, it's obviously a nerve-wracking period of time for, for, for anyone, but, you know, given that, you know, like, sort of, like, first-gen background, like, how did you feel? Like, you show up to campus, here you are, you're in law school, you're a law student, you did it. What was what was that like? Uh, start with you, Sydney. Um, I feel like coming to campus just seems like, you know, you feel like you have to follow this rule book. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain way to outline. There's a certain way to prepare for exams and to network. And then what I find out now as a 2L is that there's, you know, a hundred different ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was just a lot of confusion. You know, what should I do? What's everyone else doing? Um, how can I make sure I get to the point where I kind of want, you know, certain jobs or a certain GPA that I might want? Um, so I think... I know it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just like a lot of that confusion and then coming to the realization that, you know, I got into BC, I have the qualifications to be here mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I have my certain method to the way I study, to the way I, you know, network and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John? Sure. When I got here, I realized very quickly how little I actually knew about the legal profession, mm-hmm. even law school. Oh. Um, as I said, no lawyers in the family, you know, no, no doctors, no bankers. So my experience with being a lawyer was TV. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, that's the truth. I came in thinking, you know, hey, every lawyer goes to court. 
Mm. That's literally what I thought. Everybody, and you know, if you watch Suits, I thought, okay, we all kind of do everything, mm. right? And it, it, was, it was a shocking when, when professors on the first day start talking about, okay, who wants to do transactional law? Yeah. I'm like, what even is transactional law? Right. And then you start to discover very, very quickly that people have like plans going to law school. I want to go to this firm. I want to do X, you know, I want to practice this type of law in this city. I didn't know the names of the firms. Yep. I didn't know the types of practice areas. I didn't know what cities were good for law. I mean, I was figured like New York is probably a good place to practice law. But other than that, I, it was really a blank slate. And that was kind of uh, intimidating because it's like, I, I'm way behind. Not yeah. only am I behind academically or, or you know, resource wise, because I'm, I'm trying to count every penny that I have. I also now need to figure out, I don't even have the right plan, apparently, because everybody's got this plan, mm. and I don't even know what the first page looked like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. You know, that was that, that was a shocking moment. It, you know, you figure it out. Yeah, no, for sure. I, and I remember that, like, early on, there's, like, this, this thing, you know, do you want to do litigation, or do you want to do transactions? You're like, well, wait, wait, what, trans <laughs> what, what kind of transactions? And you're trying to just, it seems like, get to, you know, a place where, you know, other people sort of already have, like, a baseline understanding of you know how this all plays like you're right like this tv metaphor you know i think you come in thinking of every you know uh, and we sort of teach through the case method like law school kind of skews litigation but nonetheless i think you come in you think oh well you know lawyer lawsuits like that's kind of what we're doing and there's this whole other world you know really the the corporate side that you know you don't come in with a lot of uh, you know awareness to but you know as you you spend enough time around you know bc law and in law school you'll you'll, you'll certainly come to to learn that but it is something where you feel like you kind of have to teach yourself you're, you're a little bit uh you know behind the the, the eight ball and you, and you you know you have to you have to catch up a bit um yeah, i mean you don't know what opportunities to look for mm -hmm. um i you know I, i'd never thought of or know about clerkships mm -hmm. um yep. you know i don't know where to go to talk to attorneys i don't know what firms to entertain i didn't know that there were you know a firms or an, and b firms mm -hmm. and it's like oh it's a, it's, a, it's a law firm let's all do it i didn't know that there was a market rate right um and you know it, it really took a while to orient myself onto how the industry actually worked yeah for sure um, did you guys feel, you know, as you're going through law school and you're, okay, you're one L, you're two L, you know, you're getting some work, you're doing internships, you're doing different things, um, you know, this topic of imposter syndrome, did that, like, how do you relate to that, that term that sort of gets tossed around in law school a, a bit? I guess that's uh, Sydney. Um, I think kind of going back to, you know, people, some, you see your classmates coming into law school and they feel so sure of what mm -hmm. they want to do mm -hmm. and what, maybe what practice area they want to go to, or they really know they want to go to maybe these certain firms, um, you know, I kind of went into law school and I didn't have a goal. It's kind of like, you know, I'll see what classes interest me. I'll see what opportunities um, I'm drawn to. So I think, you know, not having that plan and not having those set goals kind of made me feel like, um, I guess that, you know, I didn't, I just kind of didn't know what I was doing. And maybe mm -hmm. like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing in these classes? Um, so I think that was kind of the main source of it. It's just, you know, you see people who come into class and they're very, you know, um, certain about the case law sure. and they're very certain about their careers. And if uh. you're not like that, sometimes you feel like, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah, exactly. Right, John? Yeah, for me, it, I'm of two minds. Yeah. One is um, I think I'm a smart person. Mm. Um, I never think that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I figure it's like, okay, I can be here. Mm -hmm. So it's I don't know the things that I should know. And, you know, I, I kind of own that. And I said, all right, I'm going to figure out who, who looks like they know what they're doing. Who, where am I going to go f find those resources? But of the second mind is like, wow, I have I have just like failed forward my whole <laughs> life. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like e even even practicing now, you know, one of the partners will say, hey, John, can you take care of this? Can you do this? You know, like I'm, I'm going to trust you on this. I'm like, this guy, 
wow. <laughs> if he didn't see me Googling, you know, the, the name of, you know, like, what is ESG as I'm about to yeah. go write this memo yeah. on it, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't know. I Even the head of our firm, yeah. as, you know, as accomplished as she is, Jamie McKeon, still feels the element of uh, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I feel like it's it's a tool for strength mm-hmm. where I use it to, to motivate me to be forward and not be complacent because I'm always figuring I'm I don't know what I'm doing. So let me double check this again. Yeah. Let, me, let me go find somebody else to tell me how am I going to do this right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we had a uh, so I'm doing a clinic this semester. We're doing the, the training for the clinic at the, at the beginning and you're sort of going around the room talking about things like you know, even people, you know, uh, you know, who aren't first gen. I thought it was eye opening when somebody said, yeah, you know, I didn't know how to electronically file something. But like, I, like I heard it was something that was done. Like I know people do that, but I had never before, you know, done that. And I think there's like that pressure and you, know, you can tell me if, if I'm wrong or if you've had like a different experience, like there's sort of that pressure to like feel like you know what we're doing and you know what we're talking about and then like you know to your point about googling you know esg like i think we all have find a moment where we're like all right and you're just like what what, what how does that how do you do what is that um so yeah no for sure i, I think that is a, a sort of a common experience that that that, that folks share i'll uh, say though on on this yeah. point um as i found to not be um embarrassed by what i don't know mm-hmm. um throughout law school you know i was kind of a little bit more timid but, um, you know, I, I spoke to folks in the field and, you know, if you just ask, I feel, always feel like it's better to ask is yeah. be, be out there say like, I, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you rooted in your imposter syndrome, wherever is, I don't know what this word means. Help me out. That's that'll treat you far better. Mm-hmm. You'll be served much better by finding that out than trying to hide and, and not really own your background and who you are. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's that's great advice. Um, what do you guys think the biggest challenge would be for first-gen folks coming to law school, uh, or, or I guess rather the broader question is trying to you know become lawyers, trying to you know to, to, to practice coming from a place where you know you 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 haven't even you know gone to school? Like what, what do you what do you find the biggest challenge to to, to be? I guess I'll start with John. So for me, it, and some of this is rooted in an assumption of some kind of economic disparity. Yeah, um, and that, that was certainly true for me. Um, I didn't have the, the resources coming into school. Uh, my family didn't have a lot of the resources coming to school. So it, it's really going on your own. So one of the big ones is you need stuff. You need money mm. to get started in this industry. Yeah. I mean, from the moment you walk into school, you're supposed to have books on day one, mm. right? And uh, it, this may be a question for along, along down the line, but BC doesn't give you your loan disbursement until like a week or two later. Mm. So I always went that, yeah. a week with no books. Or, you know, borrowing people's books because I just I couldn't afford that first semester's books mm-hmm. when you need to turn over a thousand or two thousand or however much money it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you need suits, mm-hmm. right? This is an industry uh, or suits of professional clothing. You need quite a bit of it. But, you know, once the, once things start to open up and I'm sure you, yeah. you start to go. And none of this way. is tuition. This is all in no, addition it, to yeah, exactly it's cost of doing business. You know, and like I had to borrow for, you know, whatever else I needed. Now, uh, you know, the Piper's coming now. You say, hey, student loans, <laughs> you got to start paying those now, <laughs> you know, and um so there's a there's the resource issue, yeah. right? Um, getting started, and then as I said, is is kind of like the networks where you have to start from scratch. You mm-hmm. don't have the connections. You don't know. You don't know people. You don't right. know how necessarily how to a- operate in these spaces. And that takes time to build those connections, right? Absolutely, time is money. Yeah. And you know when you're doing those connections, is one of the things is how do you connect with people when they're 
world experience is so vastly different from yeah. yours, right? You know, if people start talking about golf, I had never golfed except for putt-putt <laughs> up until, okay. you know, BC did its, its practice golf course, right? right? I literally light the green on fire when I take <laughs> you know, it. It's sparking every time. I, I just, golf is just not my thing, right? Yeah. But a lot of attorneys, they'll just talk about golf. Yeah. So it's it's really a space that's not designed or, navi- or designed for first-generation people in mind. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Sydney? Um, I would also kind of agree with um, the points, especially with, you know, thinking about things like, you know, suits and other resources. It's like that's so important to, you know, going to a networking event or making a good first impression during an interview. And those, you know, that costs money. And that's like something that, you know, factors in in a way that um, I think it's very hard for, you know, people who might not have those means or who are low income. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, from my um, perspective, particularly, I felt like, you know, in a profession where you have to kind of learn how to network and how to make connections when those, um, when especially when it's a career where those connections can be very important to um, future jobs or just figuring out what you want to do in general. Um, I felt like I had to teach myself how to even get into like a pattern of like, you know, reaching out to someone, you know, how to maybe set up like a um, meeting for coffee and just those little things that could, you know, give me some insight in like a certain practice area or like a certain um, opportunity. So I think, you know, just kind of because I previously I never thought of having to continuously network in order to really understand my future career. So just getting to the habit of that, I think. Um, and learning those resources is very important. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's great. Really, you know, for for you know both of the things you guys said. I think you know for one, like you, know, you talk about like networking and the time that that takes. Like if you come to law school and you've already got you know a pretty uh, solid network, or you got you know lawyers in the family or friends, etc. You know, I think you can much more efficiently get connected with folks. Whereas if you come in with none of that. All of the time that you'd otherwise spend working, studying, extracurricular, you know, whatever else you're doing, you're on the phone, you're reaching, you know, you're going to things, you're, you know, sort of making up a lot of that, um, you know, that 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 yardage that other folks are sort of they're, they're a little bit further down the field. And uh, to the to the golf point, you, you made me remember this this like crazy story I heard here once, just 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 for for humor, where somebody was, uh, you know, first I think I think first gen guy was on a. Um, interview i mean this guy's a little bit of a character but he's doing an interview you know, gets to the callback and like the partner he really likes golf he's like oh yeah and they get to talking about golf and uh he's like oh do you like golf it's like yeah yeah i like golf what do you shoot and the guy makes up a score i think it was like oh, i shoot like a 75 it's like some insane score relatively speaking he's like oh well we're, a couple of us are going golfing so you want to come with us and it's like I'm not gonna go figure out how to golf like oh my god they're gonna realize i'm a fraud but i think that's an extreme you know sort of humorous example but yeah th- there is all sort of like this gamesmanship ship of like just trying to get to be on par too many golf puns here uh with with where it feels like your peers are like there's definitely a lot of of investment that has to to go into that time wise money wise certainly um i think that story is pretty telling though because they were about to create a networking opportunity right over golf right right so if you're from a background where you never play golf right you're you're in that that guy's position where you either lie or i wouldn't have lied but now that he's lied he's now got to you know pony up or if he says no, yeah. then he misses that networking opportunity because right. then the, whoever he was interviewing was like, oh, okay, let's move on. Yeah. And now you don't have that chance. And it's to almost like a cultural thing. It's like, oh, we play golf. You don't like golf. Oh, so right. Like there's, yeah, exactly. You know, but the next candidate who does play golf, now that candidate is golfing with the partner or the interviewer right. or whomever instead of you. Or like, you know, I mean, what are other, like, you know, skiing or, uh, you know, re- 
you, you did Horseback crew in college. Yeah, I went to regattas. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like we're not, you didn't grow up doing that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you uh, next, you know, just about like potential, you know, solutions, you know, that the profession and in, in law schools might be able to, 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 you know, think about in, in regards to maybe solving some of these things, just some, you know, some, some statistics I was you know looking at before we, before we sat down. Um, you know, it seems like this, you know, there's a variety of different, you know, affinity groups that, you know, we've become, I think, a lot more progressive, you know, in, in, in recent years in terms of trying to, you know, reach out to, but it does feel like, you know, FGP is one that f- can fall through the cracks a little bit. Like it feels like just now we're sort of talking about it a little bit more um yeah there's an article that i i looked at uh, from carolyn kitchener uh, she's the author of postgrad five women in their first year out of college uh she wrote an article in the atlantic a few years ago it was a piece called how the L-, and she's not hiding the ball at all with this title it's called how the lsat destroys socioeconomic diversity uh she writes that while law schools are steadily becoming more racially and ethnically diverse they remain overwhelmingly upper middle class only five percent of students at elite law schools come from families that fall in the bottom half of the socioeconomic spectrum, a number that has hardly changed since the 1960s. Uh, Another article, uh, Harvard has 15 times as many students from the richest fifth of the population as the poorest fifth, but as many students come from the top 1% by income as the bottom 60%. So sort of pretty jarring numbers here that it seems like have have really stood the test of time. Um, So given like the economic roots of a lot of this, like what do you think like the we can do, you know, the the law schools, the the, the profession to try to... uh, you know, to try to do better? Um, I guess I'll just start off by saying that it seems like that, you know, FGP clubs across different campuses have been fairly new. Mm -hmm. Um, And conversations that I've had with different um, law schools in the Boston area about their FGP clubs Mm -hmm. is like we all started within five years. Right. And so I think that, you know, and we're just really starting to talk now. Mm -hmm. And I think that has, you know, it's, I think that um, kind of, you know, um, shows that there's still a lot to work on and there's Mm -hmm. still a lot to um, see like how we can work together and maybe how we can make more broad change since we're all kind of like starting out in our little groups and really trying to build a community Mm -hmm. at this moment like what's it going to look like maybe 10-15 years and we can maybe you know really join those resources and really you know emphasize those problems yeah um I I wanted to ask also about you know this sort of getting away from you know the the, sort of like the the, the, the finances, the, the numbers, the statistics, but it's sort of the culture. You know, I think law has its own culture for better and for worse, uh, you know, and that's in law schools and at law firms. It's the, the stuff of TV shows, you know, suits and law and order. I mean, there's no shortage of these shows that sort of trade on the... the, the My the, cousin the, Vinny. Right, yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sort of tr- trade on that uh, culture. It's, it's a massive aspect of, you know, going into the profession. And, you know, there's this expression in sports, uh, act like you've been there. And it can be hard for folks who are first gen to act like you've been there when you haven't. Um, you know, you go to networking events or, you know, you interview, I think that's sort of a central law school experience is everybody, you know, goes through these law firm interviews, um, or, you know, wh- wherever it is that, that, that choose, uh, folks choose to interview. And I was just curious, like what your experience with like culture has been like, you know, you, first in law school and then, you know, in, in the professional setting when you're networking and, you know, going to, to firms and other places, like what, what that sort of cultural experience, uh, you know, has, has been like uh, culture. Interesting uh, uh, kind of topic there. Each law firm will think of their own culture in a different way. Um, but kind of, I think your question is more toward the, the legal community culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting one. Um, for me, I knew nothing about the law, right? And I feel like a lot of the time when you come here, there 
at least when I, I assumed everyone's going to think, yeah, you always got to know everything. You got to be very smart. You got to be put together. Um, there's not a lot of room for error. Um, and when you're practicing, there, you know, there can you do make errors, but there the the firm the legal culture is a lot more forgiving than we think, yeah. because you see these these TV shows, which was my primary experience with with the legal industry, um, at least from the law firm side, was these hyper intelligent, super well put together people. They had they're worldly. They'd been all over. They know what's going on, um, and it was just kind of these unapproachable group to me, but. In reality, the lawyers that I met, especially through BC, have all been incredibly nice, mm. incredibly understanding, mm. incredibly willing to help. Mm. And to me, is that's that's been a, a beautiful surprise about the legal industry, where the attorneys, by and large, as far as I found, are a very nice bunch, very much more relaxed than I thought, um, more approachable. And as I say, if I w- I always tell people, hey, just send me an email if you want to have a coffee. There's a, like a 99% chance that I'll that'll respond yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll make it work. It might not happen today, but for the most part, the culture of of practicing attorneys is to give back because we remember what it's like to be yeah. a law student. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's been my experience as well. I mean, I think you, you can you have a variety of experiences, but primarily when it comes to networking, you know, sending those emails and and, and reaching out to folks that. It, it, you know, the worst that'll happen is somebody's you know too busy and they can't get back to you. But no one's gonna be like, oh, "How dare you!" Like that's not. Everyone's very you know nice and 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 wants to talk and, and and wants to help. I think that's certainly the case. I think at the same time though, there can be, um, you know, more towards like the recruiting like setting. You know, you go to interviews and things, and there is. You know, there's like so much that's done about, you know, getting ready for those. And it's like it's it's unlike hiring in other professions, whereas it's like, OK, there's a screener. Then there's a callback and they're going to ask you why this firm. Why It's sort of there's a rigidity that it feels like is kind of baked in there, which, you know, I think some people come sort of speaking the same language, if that makes sense. Whereas Absolutely. there's other folks where I guess just to like use myself as an example, you know, I got Boston accent, and I've got a, the background that I have. You know, am I, am I, you know, am I the the same cut of character that they're used to? You know, you're aware of these things. You're sort of thinking about like, okay, well, how do I talk to these people? Is there certain like, you know, certain languages or certain? You know, are they are they looking through me? Do they think I'm like an imposter? These are sort of things that are, you know, in, in your head. And you know, I think to the thing, something we were talking about before, but like, you know, what can be done about this? Like, I almost think that. You know, and I, and I know schools do it, you know, to some extent, like almost having like, you know, first year, you know, one out like a, whether it's like some seminar or something that's like kind of baked into, you know, your, your curriculum to where they're teaching you about interviewing about. And, and, and it's not to say like we don't know how to be professional and like go to events. But when you're talking to lawyers, you're talking to firms, you know, there's a certain, you know, just understanding how the interview process works, like understanding like, OK, you know, here are some important things, best practices, et cetera. I think all of that. You know, it's helpful because, you know, people are coming from backgrounds with different levels of familiarity, um, you know, with all of that. Uh, Sydney, did you want to? Um, yeah. So I think on that point, I remember doing just some interviews and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I only have like 20 minutes mm, yeah. to really like, you know. It's very natural, right? And it's, I don't know. And then you just, you know, and it's hard to know that you're in a line of maybe 10 people mm-hmm. and you're like one of who knows how many people they're going to actually talk to in a day and trying to stand out and um, trying to do all that stuff. So I definitely think that that can be really tricky. But again, to what was said, um, said before is that, you know, sometimes these networking experience can feel very inauthentic. But, you know, I found also that if you email someone and just say, you know, I'm really interested in your practice area. I'm kind of interested. I think I might want to work 
in that too mm -hmm. or just talking to someone about their firm um you know nine times out of ten it's not going to be you know a negative experience right. so you know it's just sometimes scarier to do especially when probably your first experience networking is kind of like those maybe more stiff um receptions yeah for sure yeah I, I remember you know my first experience with it was my spring of 1l or you know it was, it was spring of 2021 so everything was still like virtual it was still like it was like pre vaccines i think and we did this like virtual platform where it was like you clicked i don't know if you like played certain games and stuff i forgot the name of it was as a kid where it's like you musical chairs yeah or something where it's like you click on like a yeah. table and you're waiting for someone to leave and then you go on and you're like hi and like I remember going to some of these, like watching every student give the same shtick, like because it's like we're all we're all kind of fungible as one, of, we're all kind of the same person more or less. But yeah, well, no, there's, there's an art and a science to that's it. why I would say yeah. is that we as law students, are, speaking of, we feel compelled to give these canned answers, mm. right? But I'm telling you, on the recruiting side, you hear it 400 times, and uh, you you kind of hear it that way. Um, and, and I think people say that they think that they're supposed to say these certain words at the certain times right. at a certain attorney. Um, that has been in my experience. I always try to tell people is if you're at these events, part of the culture is be yourself mm -hmm. because yeah. you're, it's going to get boring if I hear, oh, you have such interesting work and interesting clients. Well, guess what? The same Fortune 500 company is represented by every single law firm that's there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to bring you got to bring you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and I think that is a great point. It's something that's like easily said, but maybe not so easily done. You know, when you Absolutely. have certain pressures to, you know, hear about how you're supposed to go about these things and what you're supposed to say and what you think they want to hear. And, you know, all of that, it, it, it can certainly be challenging. Um, just a couple uh, last questions I wanted to ask. Um, what advice would you give to first gen people out there? Not only law students, but maybe like pre-law haven't you know thinking about law school just anywhere in the the pipeline like what what advice would you give you know at this point in your you know career and your journey uh looking uh looking backwards uh, sydney um i think for anyone who's kind of pre-law i would say first of all like it's okay if you don't have a plan 100 percent. i feel like you know as first-gen students this is a big investment we're making in our time and our education um with the money we're paying and all the student loans, like I feel like everyone kind of wants to make sure that, you know, I'm on this path, it's gonna be a good one, it's worth the investment. And I think it's hard if you're kind of unsure, like is this actually for me? And I don't really have the means to really, you know, throw it away. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in that front, I would just say, um, you know, it's okay, you'll meet people, mm -hmm. you'll, you know, network, you'll see different things, but um, just, you know, don't, lose confidence or don't feel like it's not for you just because you're not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe to someone who, you know, is kind of, you know, the summer before their 1L year, I just say, you know, that you're going to hear a million pieces of advice on the same topic, you know, especially with outlining exams. Some people will say you have to study this way or that way. But, you know, you got into law school. We, you know, we all know you're smart and you came here with study skills. And, you know, if you just, you know, trust yourself a little bit, it could really pay off. Awesome. Uh, John? Sure. Um, if you're thinking about applying to law school, the first piece of advice I'd say is just shut out everybody who says don't. <laughs> because I feel like that's that's the, 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 the meme where, you know, it's like, oh, you're thinking about being a lawyer. Just forget it. Mm, yeah. um, this industry is incredibly rewarding. It is intellectually stimulating. 
um, your power to give back on pro bono matters and help disenfranchise people is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the look when you're representing somebody who thought that, you know, everything was over and then all of a sudden, you know, you have the, the legal power, even as a law student, as, as somebody in the clinic, to get behind them, it, it's life-changing for them. Yeah. So if you're interested in, in practicing law, absolutely consider it. Next thing is, you know, as Sydney said, is this going to be the right move for me? Um, if you're from, you know, first generation background where you don't have money to gamble, you know, $200,000, $300,000 on an education, um, and then ultimately you can't do public interest or maybe you want to, you know, you got to kind of think about like, am I in this for the money or am I going to try and, you know, go the public interest route and then maybe get some loan forgiveness? Mm-hmm. But I would say is that you need to be a bit more targeted. And I, and I say that knowing full well that when I came to law school, I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. Um, those two things exist. I just knew that I want to practice this way at this this type of firm, even if I don't know the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I fe- calculated the the money, the investment's going to be worth it mm-hmm. because I had that goal and that drive, and I was single minded in a, in achieving that. That kind of directed all of my other efforts. The next piece of advice I would say is reach out and talk to attorneys who are doing the things you're doing or working the places that you're working. Uh, I did not know anything about law school coming in. The only way I was able to survive was asking my peers who were ahead of me, who were on the track that I wanted, or practicing attorneys who had already done through everything. What do I do? Yeah. They gave me their advice. I received a bunch of advice, but I kind of synthesized and I said, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to follow their playbook. And different people can do different things. I got a playbook from you know uh, my affinity group. I was a member of Balsa. I had great mentors there say, this is how you're going to do well on an exam. This is how you're going to network. This is how you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I liked what they did. I liked what they said. And I executed. I reached out to attorneys and they said yes. Yeah. And then I listened to them and figured out, okay, how do I work at your firm? Yeah. Do these things. Get these grades. Talk to these people. And I just kind of executed in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's But roundabout way of saying reach out to people who are where you want to be and just listen. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. Um, last question I wanted to ask, uh, just to, 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 to bring it home. Uh, you know, the, there's so much about, you know, I think you apply to law school, it feels like the two most important things are your LSAT and your GPA. And then when you're trying to get a job, you know, it feels like there's a, a you know, there's GPA, there's were you on law review, uh, were you on moot court? And, you know, they're going to look at other parts of your resume, but it can feel like at each juncture along the trajectory, you're you know, you're merely a few data points that they're looking at. It's like you're, the rest of the story, the rest of it doesn't really click unless those things are, um, you know, are there. And I think folks that are, you know, from, you know, I, I think of, you know, a variety of backgrounds, whether that's, you know, other, um, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned Balsa, you know, I think, you know, we've got a lot of great, you know, student organizations that recognize, you know, diversity in a number of ways or your first gen, you know, there's a lot that's there that, well, if, you know, you don't quite have the you know, 3.98 and you aren't on law, well, then you're kind of at a disadvantage. But that person certainly has a lot of perspective and they've faced adversity. And there's a lot that's in that background that might not translate into what the law school sees or what the law firm sees when you're applying um, to firms. And so when you're, you know, at these you know points where you're interviewing or whatever the case may be, how would you translate that experience into, you know, and they say, you know, tell me about you, why a lot, you know. How would you translate that um, when it, when it comes time to have those conversations? Uh, you know, those experiences. Sure, um, I'll kick that one off. Uh, the best advice I got was from a recruiter, mm-hmm. and this was my you know, fall semester of one L, so I really hadn't even seen a, a, any grades yet. And they said, "Your GPA is kind of your ticket into the door." Mm. Yeah. 
it's not the end all be all. It's not going to make or break it. But at the end of the day, again, this is strictly from the, a kind of law firm perspective here. Um, they want to see a GPA. Mm-hmm. That, that's the truth of the matter. Is you, you just as long as it doesn't have to be the perfect one. It doesn't. Have, you don't have to be the three nine. In fact, if you're a three nine, they might look at you a little bit weird. It's <laughs> like, why is this guy's or you know, this girl's great? So Does he high? have a life? Do, yeah. Are you interesting? Because <laughs> are I mean, you just a bot? <laughs> yeah. Are you exactly? Are you a bot? Um, but if you have the grade to get in the door, then you sell the deal. Hmm. So you know, if you if you're a first gen person, you know, and you're looking, make sure that you at least can say you can justify to get yourself in the door. And then once you get to that point, sell who you are and be authentic. Hmm. I I didn't hide the ball. They said, why do you want to practice in big law? I said, because I don't need to make money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I didn't hide that. And then I said, I need to make money. You know, my the 08 recession wasn't great for my family. I'm in this to make money. I'm in this to be very successful. I want to be at the top of my trade in everything I do because I can't afford to fail, literally. Mm. And, you know, for a lot of them, they said, you know, hey, that's great. You know, I, I like the honesty. I like the candor. Um, and I, I was just authentically myself throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And I was authentically myself throughout law school. And that was a bit of a challenge. Uh, I thought about, oh, should I, you know, can I try to hide, hide back or not? But mm-hmm. truth of the matter, I loved law school. Yeah. Um, I loved the professors. I loved the, the, the subject matter. And the best advice that I always got, and I keep saying, is be yourself, be authentic. Your GPL gets you in the door, but don't be somebody you're not. Be interesting. Yeah. Because if you have a cool background where, you know, you grew up on a farm in, 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 in Texas, even if I've never been on a farm, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Right? You don't need to tell me or try to appeal to some golf story right because if i'm interviewing you that's not my experience so yeah lost <laughs> for sure Sydney. um i guess i would kind of start off by um saying that i feel like you know a gpa is definitely a ticket into the door but i also feel like a gpa can tell a story as well mm-hmm. like you can you know have you know speaking just like your 1L year you can have a good GPA you know your first semester but if you improve I feel like that tells a lot of story a, a big story and you know overcoming obstacles I feel like that's something you can talk about in your in your interviews how um, you overcame those ca- um, challenges and whatnot um, I think I would also say is um, you know sometimes what you're asked in an interview will be very random you'll never expect it mm-hmm. so i've had a lot of times where i'm um when i've been interviewed and you know coming from western mass and we'll be like oh i you know i know your hometown and that's something that i thought they would never really care mm-hmm. about yeah. but it's like a conversation starter so i think really just um you know, leaning into maybe having those like casual aspects in a conversation or really, you know, if someone's trying to reach a handout in that way, just really taking it because it could really be something that someone remembers you by. Awesome. 